Welcome to another podcast from Watchers at the Movies. And my name is Chris Nays. You've heard me on previous Watchers episodes. And, uh, and you know, running as one half of the Castle Rock Watchers podcast. Uh, and I'm joined today... By maybe a first time watches of the movies guest is that would yes, that be that's, correct? that's accurate. Yeah, uh, his name is Mr. Jordan Wakefield from the other Onyx Edge Studio podcast, The High Files. Oh the, yes, uh, <laughs> I guess on I the uh, that. <laughs> that's my parent network, and now I'm on it. <laughs> we'll see. Well, uh, today is a very special occasion, and. I I think this is going to be a little bit different than other stuff you may have heard from Watchers of the Movies before because That's we're funny. not just covering a movie outright and then moving on to something else. We are doing sort of a preamble to a movie and and in a director's entire work should we get to all of it. I don't know that we will. <laughs> and background, this director's most recent movie, Chris has seen it, I have not. I right. plan to see it, and then we can do a follow-up. But that doesn't preclude us from uh, talking about his body of work. That's right. And I feel that this director, who we have yet to mention, mm-hmm. <laughs> is worthy of lengthy lengthy discussion. And bo- I know both of us are fans. So I feel like it's going to... Uh, Maybe our admiration of his work is just going to sort of pour out of us, and that will be a nice way to see where we both go in to seeing this director's most recent work. I which think, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, and so let's let's mention both right now since we've <laughs> we've tarried along far enough. Uh, the movie is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and the director, of course, is Quentin Tarantino. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, definitely a storied career in Hollywood up to this point, wouldn't you say? That's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> um. So since it's us talking about Quentin, I feel that we should probably give our sort of background and where where we sort of got the jump in. So I'll. Where'd you first? Or we'll go ahead. Well, I was going to toss it to you first, but if you want me to go first, I will. No, I was going to say we set it up like this. When was the first time you saw one of his movies? Do you remember? First time I saw a Tarantino movie was definitely on DVD. Uh, growing up, my parents weren't really the kind that shared R uh, rated movies with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was more a thing where when I got to the age. They let me on my own choose what gotcha. I wanted to view and put into my own brain, right? Um, so I completely understand their take on not showing me Tarantino, right? Uh, because it is for mature viewers, for sure. That's a fact. So if you're immature, you can hit stop. Right yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Come back later after you've matured a bit. <laughs> <laughs> then go see the movie. Then come back. Or don't go see the movie and go along and ride with us. <laughs> uh, so, first time I watched it was at once I was 17. Which movie? Uh, it was Reservoir Dogs. Was okay. and, and I bought it and then watched it. So, I never rented any. Uh, my parents may have rented them, but I never was around when they watched them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I never, back then, uh, sort of early 90s, mid 90s, 
I didn't get the impression that my mom is definitely not a super movie going person. My right. dad definitely is. Okay. But but I never got the impression that they were overly enthusiastic about Tarantino movies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they liked the actors within them. Uh but I never, you know, they never um told me of their fanhood of them or gotcha. anything like that. But you know, I would expect it if my dad if he did like it. He would definitely show me movies that he thought I would like and that I do the same thing to my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, any Spielberg, he was all about it. He showed me it. Um, I grew up watching Indiana Jones, so there mm-hmm. in comes George Lucas. Star Wars was crazy about it. He absolutely fueled that flame. He loved Star Wars as well. And that's cool. So, so yeah, Reservoir Dogs was my inroad, and I feel that is the correct way, is mm. to start from a director's earliest work and make your way towards recent days, right? Yeah. So, uh, toss it back to you. What was your first Tarantino experience, and how did you get there? It was Pulp Fiction, um, but that's because when Pulp Fiction came out, that's when he exploded as a star. Mm -hmm. So he was in the zeitgeist, and I was in school at that time, and people would try to um, do an imitation of one of the scenes. Okay. And then it was also on like some comedy sketch shows. It might have been Mad TV, where they had some bits and they were the characters from the movie, and it was a Pulp Fiction tie-in um, that were pretty damn funny. I absolutely do remember seeing Mad TV Pulp Fiction skits. Yeah, they there, would replay them a lot more than like SNL would replay. There was one out, about the get medieval on your ass scene that yeah. was in there. And I then, remember the car uh, scene where uh, Tarantino, or, uh, sorry, where uh, Travolta's character shoots the black gentleman in the face. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, they definitely parried that. Parried yeah. That. So then at, around that time, I'm like, I didn't know what anybody was talking about. Yeah. And then I think it was one of those times with basic cable where they would run a free preview of, like, a Showtime or an HBO or something. Mm. And at that time, later, uh, it was playing. So I would catch scenes from time to time, but I wasn't supposed to be watching it. So I would have to turn it off. So I never saw it like all the way through, but I would see like repeat scenes or I would see scenes out of order and it doesn't matter. That whole movie's out of order. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then that was that until I started smoking pot for the first time was with these people from my kitchen crew when I got a job as a dishwasher. Okay. And one was like a chef slash like assistant manager or whatever. And one dude was like a waiter and we would hang out afterwards and smoke pot, and we were watching movies, and uh, Reservoir Dogs came on. And and so this was on, uh, like, a paid movie channel? or uh, I can't. He might have put it in. Okay. okay. He, it might have been there. In fact, I think he did. I think he said, uh, what, you've never seen this? Yeah. Oh, my God. See, and that's the that's the movie lover's way. Yeah. Is, uh, the film, the film uh, lover's way is to get excited about yeah. it. And just be like, okay. So he put it in, and I was hooked. Right. It was on, and I was hooked. Um, and then I used to hit the video store a lot back then. I think it was like Video Update. I had a subscription to where I could go trade in movies. Right, right. They were the uh, the layman's uh, blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got Pulp Fiction, and I watched it all the way through. And then I was, 
or and Reservoir Dogs. I mean, Reservoir Dogs first, watched it all the way through, and then Pulp Fiction watched yeah. it all the way through, yeah. and then kind of just followed them ever since then. I watched Jackie Brown, I think, on videotape also. On VHS? Yeah, yeah. On VHS. <laughs> <laughs> How awesome is that? That's great. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and, you know... We'll get to it, but like Jackie Brown's one that kind of goes under the radar sometimes for people, yeah. Because Tarantino had built up this expectation. Once you get through Reservoir Dogs and then you get through Pulp Fiction, now he has this high bar standard and things yeah. that Tarantino does in his movies that people come to expect. He switched it up on him. Man. He did, he... and Jackie Brown he adapted a story himself and. Yeah. And then and presented it sort of. But in his he style. actually has a huge catalog that people don't really recognize with him trying stuff like uh, four rooms. Yes, yeah, so you never four hear rooms come for up, sure. and it's because he didn't do the whole movie. Right, but he did a piece. Yeah, and he's in a piece. <laughs> yeah, so think so. of Jackie Brown as like his four rooms. Like, okay, you got two rooms you liked. <laughs> yeah, this room's for somebody else. Right, uh, who also likes it, but is not you. Yeah, do you remember the other directors from that? Uh, uh, from one that of film? one of them was uh, the guy that did uh, was that Mexican Rodriguez? Zon- yeah, Rodriguez. Yeah, Rodriguez. I not, I wasn't going to say that Mexican director. Oh, I was sorry. trying to say that Mexican style movie where it was like vampires in a whorehouse or some shit. Yes, yes, it's uh, from Dust Till Dawn. From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, okay, so I wasn't trying to call him a Mexican even though he actually is a Mexican. So I shouldn't even be saying any of this. No, yeah. But it's 2019. No... <laughs> Kid with Listen, the program. It's a bad be, place to be. Just be careful. That's it's all a bad place to be cut off when you go, a Mexican, and then you come in with something different. I know. Listen. <laughs> I, I intuited where you were going with that yeah. because I knew a but Mexican gentleman in, who is, uh, in, you could say, in bed with Tarantino in many projects. So. Indeed, Rodriguez is a Mexican-American man. <laughs> <laughs> now we can move forward from yeah. there. He was another director. There were two others. I can't remember who they were. Yeah, no, I, I've i seen it a couple of times many years ago. Rodriguez's room in Four Rooms is pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty darn good. Yeah, and the and the um, the bellhop sort of character who is the tie through oh, throughout. Oh, Timothy something, isn't that his name? Uh yeah, Tim Roth is Tim, Timothy Roth, and he's yeah. in the main one of the main characters in Reservoir Dogs. I, so all the way back he's around, he's a great actor. I haven't not liked him in anything I've I've seen him in. So I I was kind of wondering where we should move forward after we do our personal history. Well, the big one for me that made me a uber tarantino fan was kill bill dude it was the movie that was in my head that i wanted to see and that was just like oh man and so we're are we talking both uh, collectively look up at my wall we're in my basement what do you see on that frame right there uh up top on the right oh yes it's uh it's betty and it's pi may right in their face off no, no, no. On the top there, it's... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I can't see that. I'm, if I'm going to be honest, I can't really it, see what's going on there. It's, it's Uma Thurman and Lucy Liu in their snow battle. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I knew it was Uma Thurman, but yeah. I I saw the white and guessed that it was Pi No, Bay, it's but their it snow battle. Remember <laughs> okay. how they go out in right, the snow? Right, 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 in the snow. But it's a marker painting I bought of yeah. that scene. That's, 
I love that movie. It, I used to have a poster. I I'm going to get a closer it. look and when it, when I could see it a little bit. Oh, better. you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have a deep love for. Let's do it now. So, yeah, uh, I think I got pulled into the movie theater by the name Tarantino. And I heard that this new Tarantino Kill Bill film was coming out and I went and saw it and I bought the soundtrack. I blared it on my car stereo. I loved that movie, dude. Kill Bill Volume 1. Yes, actually, uh, you know, right around that time, I also was way, way stoked about Kill Bill 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they came out, uh, this is a guess, but I think maybe like six months apart or maybe like a year apart or something like that. Not too much time in between. Um, But that was when I was either, it was like maybe the summer going into my freshman year of college or maybe it was both like while I was actually going to school as well. Because I actually ended up doing a paper on one and two and oh, why yeah. how different they are you know like one is they're based, so different i wasn't prepared one is based on an american version of a kung fu film and one is based on a japanese version of a kung fu film yeah so the paper uh was That's for a cool. film a film appreciation class and uh yeah so that was fun to do but I I remember having conversations with you like I am right now, yeah. <laughs> back then, about what we thought about Tarantino. And, well, the uh, first one was an anime also. If you, right. you can say it's from a kung fu film, but it was uh, you'd see that stuff in anime. Man, the excessive blood, just the blood everywhere, that's totally anime Japanese style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's mixing and matching uh, well, styles. the first one is the Jap- is supposed to be the Japanese. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and then the second is a more subdued... Right, it's yeah. a little bit less in your face. A decompressed story. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And the you know the the really cool sort of black and white segments and it works. It works well to watch those films just back to back as one film. Yeah, and I you know it, he's actually said in the press recently that he v- still views them as one. Film. Right, that that's was, like exactly like Hafu. Hafu was written to just be one continuous story. Yeah, and for for background, Hafu is your you oh and, graphic novel that yeah. I wrote. Yeah, graphic novel series, I guess. Yes, heavily influenced, I would say, by uh, yeah, or the fact that I loved Kill Bill so much because I shared those same influences already. Yeah, you know, right, and you know, samurai shit and. He's a brilliant writer too, so that is obviously going to influence your your um, dialogue sort of. Oh yeah, he taught me a lot about dialogue actually. Um, now I can't say this of any specific conversation. No, there's a couple moments in the comic, but he uh, taught me that you just take chunks of dialogue from real life. Right. Like if you need somebody to be talking about breakfast. If you've had a funny breakfast conversation, you actually wrote it down or you remembered it, just put that in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you liked it because it's interesting, so put it in there. It's interesting. And it came from real life. Yeah. You know? All you got to so, do is twist a couple little details, and it's not exactly... But he has a lot of those mundane scenes mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, the scene's about more than what it's about, and a lot of it's about the tension and the pacing, too. Like, you just told some random story. Um, he does that with the Royale with cheese. Right, right. That's 
So I have a scene in, in the graphic novel I wrote where this guy is talking about ordering from Emos. And he's talking about, you know, how it'll cost less if they split like a hundred piece toaster ravioli. Yeah, right. <laughs> Meaning he plans on eating like 70. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like over the top, him just being a glutton. Sure, yeah. This glutton cop. Um, and he gets a meatball sub with it too because you can't just have right one thing on your plate, toaster raviolis. So that's in there. And it's uh, I think it's very Tarantino-like, so I was influenced by him, I guess you could oh, say. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, as a writer, um, you not that I'm a writer, but as you are a writer, you absorb uh, everything that you take in and then spew back out in your own art. So, um, I really just feel like that's a whole, that's a natural thing that human beings do. And as an artist, you, of course, wear your influences on your sleeve. Right. And, um, do your best to make it unique and you, your Tarantino does that. Yeah. He, He directly copies stuff a lot of the time. Right. But because he loves those things. Right. So... Moving sort of from the beginning, Reservoir Dogs. Let's give a couple little. Oh man, let's let's give what some. A film. Let's give a couple. Yeah, exactly. Let let's give a couple of takes each. Maybe go back and forth a little bit on each movie. I think that's a good way to handle this. All right. So, is there any student films or anything he does before that you know of, or is it? I want to say there might have been one. Yeah. Sixteen millimeter. Yeah. So, honorable film. mention to that, which I've never seen, but if yeah. you have. I'm sure he shot stuff. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, that wasn't his first time picking up a camera. Yeah, and we're definitely not going to do an entire history of of him. But, but I, yeah, it was pretty young, though, for right. a director to hit something out of the park, home run like that. Right. He, We should say he worked in a movie store like the ones mean, that we went to growing up. Yeah, and, and I don't mean young by age. I mean young by, you know, being in the industry. Sure. Um. So, so Reservoir Dogs being my first, uh, I, I remember the iconic look of the characters on the on the box on the dvd box oh yeah it was the it was uh several Rosa panels of the ties. characters and they're yeah. in their ties right and with the sunglasses on and i just remember being struck purely by that image yeah. and and you look, you flip it on the back, and you see. And the movie was only about guys in those black ties, those right. guys that were in the black ties. Right, right, right. Um, it very, it very centralized on one story with all of these elements in it, right? And some of them exit immediately, mm-hmm. and some of them stay throughout, right? Yeah. So I like that choice. By the way, uh, Tarantino selects him. At- Self as the person who dies right at the beginning yeah. of the movie. <laughs> right at the beginning of the movie, he dies. Yeah, it, which says some things about him. It's like he wanted to be in the movie, but he may have not been. Um, he wasn't going to spoil it for the other yeah. actors. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's like, I know what I'm up to. What's what, what I've heard recently about him is like, he could have sat there and said the exact words that he wrote verbatim and did the entire scene with all of them sitting around him. He could have just said everybody's lines one after the other. 
He knows wow. exactly where everything sits. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's and how impressive. it needs to be said. Um, all of that stuff is very interesting to me about him. That he is so it's so ingra- his scripts are so ingrained in him. He says he watches the movie in his head. Yeah. Before he writes it. Yeah. Yeah, so. well, and then that's good being prepared because if you're the director, you're running the show, you got to know where everybody needs to be when they need yep. to be there. So, um, I Reservoir Dogs remains pro- probably my favorite still. Um, I mm. like that it's not as expansive as some of his other stuff. I would say outside of Kill Bill because it has a special place in my heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're probably right. Reservoir Dogs would be, if I had to go to a desert island with Kill Bill and one other, Yeah, it would be. It would probably be a resort. I I love bank robbery stuff. I think it's super interesting. It happens all the time in every city in America at pretty much every day. That's so great about that movie too, because he wrote a heist movie and started the movie after the heist. Yeah, right. So <laughs> immediately we're getting his style, his imprint yeah. as a director. Or he's like, here's somewhere you never go. You yeah. never go here. Yeah. You never go here. And um, that's why this is so inside baseball, but uh, he probably influenced me when we were making LWA videos. Yeah. A ton. Yeah. Like we had that one that was a downer ending, like nothing worked out well. Right. Like we, it rolling in Jack. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So a guy is totally set up as a hero, underdog hero, and he just doesn't win yeah. <laughs> he just loses in the end violently uh that's tarantino messing with your expectations yeah and, and i you know as a early sort of um i i guess having appreciation of this newfound director uh to me, in in mid to late nineties or whenever I turned seventeen, um, it was really interesting to be confronted with this different way, you know, because mm-hmm. you get because growing up you get so used to the A plus B equals C formulaic version of the way movies always go, right? They become predictable, right? One of the great things that he does, and I could say even up to this very day with this new movie, he goes places you don't expect him to go. And that's always a cool thing because you know almost always going into a Tarantino movie, you're going to get a new thing. That's a fact. Yeah. Or at least that you you better be prepared for a new thing. Right. It's. I mean, like I said, he confronted me. Yeah. You know, he challenged me as a movie watcher. Well, that's it how... wasn't just I'm along for the ride. It's this is a new thing and I'm going to make sure you understand that I have a style and I'm going to present it the way that I see it. The fit, that's right? how I actually felt with uh, Kill Bill Volume 2. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, you're not going to do that thing I really loved last time. But <laughs> yeah. do I still like it? And I find that it actually ages well with me. See, I, that... I watch Kill Bill... Uh, Volume two with greater interest than I ever did before. Interesting. On a yeah. recent watch? Yeah, fairly recently. Um I you know, I haven't watched either of those in a in a pretty long time, at least a couple mm-hmm. of years. But I remember being pleasantly surprised by how different it was from the first one, which I was absolutely hundred percent okay with that. Right. You know what I mean? Don't give me the same plate of food twice. What I mean 
what's the point of that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but, but coming from what I was going to say, coming from a music background, um, I am of the ilk where I like my beloved artists to give me different things, not just the same sort of album every single time. Cause eventually I'm going to, I'm leaving. You know what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. again, we're getting the same plate of food over and over. I want new things. That's why I'm so sick of even going into or thinking about movies these days is because everything's a remake, dude. Yeah. Like, where's the new stuff being invented? Sure. Like, at one point, Transformers was invented. It was yeah. a totally new right, thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And now they're even just taking books and making them movies like that's what i mean there's no originality in hollywood these days so um at least not in the mainstream i was gonna go through the chronology of his movies i know next at well do you that would be that would be a disgrace to him you know what oh yeah you're (laughs) probably right um what i wanted what i wanted to say before we move on, it must be mentioned on the tip on the uh, the the point of music is that pretty much right away when you start watching Tarantino movie, he also has a very keen sense for music choice and uh, and another heavy influence on me. Yeah, think totally. about the High Files podcast or think about those LWA videos. They have really weird distinct soundtracks <laughs> right yeah. and uh, he, he in in reservoir dogs specifically he sticks more around the 70s sort mm-hmm. of soundtrack and actually kind of running throughout he sticks to that yeah he likes that i li- I kind of like it too it's music he likes and he feels he scores the movie how he's he's fit i and he knows about it because yeah. he likes it so he explores it one one really interesting thing behind the new movie is that uh and this is not a spoiler he took actual recorded audio of the radio station that was popular in Los Angeles at the time. Mm-hmm. Took uh, um, intros and outros of songs and literally implanted them in the movie. So That's it is cool. the actual yeah, guys. I gotcha. From the radio at that time and songs and them talking about the songs that are in That's the movie. That's so awesome. Isn't yeah, it that's awesome? That's really awesome. He poured through uh, hundreds of hours to find that stuff, by the way. Wow. Which, good well, on Well, <laughs> I, I do that with podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I wish I could pull up specific examples, but, uh, you know, we're just rolling here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's more fun to just talk, so. Um. I wish we had an assistant like like Rogan does or something. We could point out like, hey, look that up. <laughs> Protocon from Sherman Comics. Or produ- yeah. <laughs> producer Tim. Yeah, get on it, Tim. <laughs> this is where you interrupt the episode to tell us what music is in every movie. <laughs> Thanks, producer Tim. Now. Uh, <laughs> now we can move forward. One that I still don't know how I feel about was his team up with Robert Rodriguez on the horror double feature. The Grindhouse. Yes, the Grindhouse where uh, Tarantino did Death Proof. Yeah. And Rodriguez did... Oh, shoot. Why is that escaping me? Is it something Holocaust, maybe? No, I don't, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the other feature. Sorry, Robert right. Rodriguez. They paired them together. Sorry, it was Mexican a... Rodriguez. <laughs> it was a three plus hour experience where you would go yeah. and they would have fake movie trailers in the middle. Yep. 
in, in the intermission sort of thing where I believe Rob Zombie did one of Which them. Which made it a short movie for Tarantino because yeah. his particular half of it was yeah. shorter than normal. Also, that's the origin of Machete. Yeah, is it those, is. Is those and fake they actually They actually made Hobo with a Shotgun, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I actually really like that that became a real thing machete yeah because and and uh you know that actor's great he ends up in some other robert Rodriguez danny trejo desperado and some other stuff but um i still think that the fake trailer was the better thing that ever happened out of that well that just means it worked yeah oh yeah it worked it produced two other movies at least so what's your what what is your issue with the grindhouse uh i didn't really have an issue per se other other than no other than i didn't not like it Mm -hmm. but i'm not sure why okay you know what i mean like it's so that maybe that's good that kind of push you into something new territory um but I couldn't just rattle off why I didn't like it. Well, I'll like tell that. you this: some knowledge that I picked up recently, or why I didn't not like it. I mean, <laughs> right, yeah. double negative. <laughs> yeah. So, some recent stuff tidbit I picked up about that movie is that it is actually almost a complete physical copy from another Grindhouse movie that he just totally uh, lifted everything. That's there was the director that did that with Psycho. They remade it shot for shot. Yes. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing is I don't believe it is shot for shot. No, it can't be with that dialogue and those characters. Yeah. Man, what the hell? It's so. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's probably it's a just com- it's just weird and kitschy. Yeah, uh, it is. That's why it's like maybe it's like when I drink Hawaiian punch. I'm like, yeah, it tastes <laughs> good, but there's no reason why it should. Well, it's not natural. It, yeah, that's the thing uh, yeah, is that okay. movie is not natural really uh yeah. and and um kurt russell's character the stuntman is like a thing out of a crazy movie it's not a it it's doesn't not feel like try, a person it's not even trying to be serious no yeah <laughs> and I, it's can't and be yet for it campy is sake, so. and yet it is it's serious subject matter it's right. death and everything it's i yeah grind out i actually never super got into that era of movies i know he's really into them yeah, and black exploitation movies as well. I was big into black exploitation oh, really? movies. But yeah, I do you have rented, any examples? Oh, I used to go to Video Update and I would get Dolomite. Okay, I right. would get a uh, Superfly. Yeah, uh, Foxy Brown. All those. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what did I have? One of those. Either I'm gonna get you sugar. Yeah, I think it was I'm gonna get you sugar. Was the name of the movie I had on DVD. <laughs> yeah, I watched a lot of black. I like so. Yeah, like so that that reminds me that um, you know he actually implanted actors from those old school movies into his eventually with Jackie yeah. Brown, you know both Robert Forrester mm-hmm. and the female character. What do you remember her name? Excuse me, no, do you her name who Pam Greer. Yeah, Pam, Pam Greer, Greer, right? Yeah. She was in a lot of those uh, black exploitation movies. She was Foxy Brown. You're right, right. So, or I don't remember if that was the actual name of the movie, but yeah. Uh, I think it sounds like it was right. Yeah, Pam Greer was in another series. I think though of them, I, I have to look it up. Yeah, it's fine. Tim, <laughs> yeah, <Help us> out. <laughs> yeah, producer Tim. No, okay. So where what movie were we on? <laughs> well, we're talking about Jackie Brown now. The other thing is he adapted it from an Elmore Leonard yeah novel yeah. And when I heard that, I'm like, oh, I got to check out Elmore Leonard. Yeah. I was actually in the Navy at that point. Okay. When I found out, and I I went to the library, and they had some Elmore Leonard. The base library has them. 
Right. And I read it, and it's freaking awesome. Is it? It's like th- thriller in a weird, eerie sense, like the way he paces it yeah. and everything. And is it the it, same characters from the movie? Is that like... Uh, I didn't read that adaptation. I read other books by him. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. So, yeah. so an author to definitely look into. Oh, yeah. Elmore Leonard. He's great, dude. Yeah, I... I you know... D- d- I think Jackie Brown was one that I waited a while. Um, it was a, smo- a smoking session, hangout sesh, just like with you and your buddies. Uh, yeah. But it was when I was in college, and a couple of my buddies, uh, they uh, the one in specific was a big Tarantino. And he's like, oh, you haven't seen this? We're watching it now, you uh. know? <laughs> and while it takes a little bit more time for things to happen in Jackie Brown, like... When uh, they're in the sequence where she's walking through the department store, right. and literally the camera is just following her, going from place to place. There, she's getting the bag from the room, or she's dropping it off, or whatever. Um, like th- that sort of stuff, I was not as into as some of the previous stuff that mm. I liked about his sort of following around people day to day sort of thing. You know what yeah. I mean? But uh, I still do really like Jackie Brown. I think it has a, a really good story and uh, style to it that is totally in line with what Tarantino does. It, yeah, I don't have any bad memories about it. And also, I think it would be really interesting to read the book and compare them. I think that would be really, right. really and fun. Listen, we got to mention, now we're getting into Sam Jackson territory. Yeah, Sam we haven't Jackson, talked about him much. What I'm sorry, say that again. Say we haven't talked about him much. No, we should. I mean, uh, and obviously Robert De Niro is also in that movie, but it's it's completely. He takes these actors mm-hmm. that, of course, they're great. You know what I'm saying, right? And you go in knowing, yes, they're great. But he gets a little ju- extra juice out of oh, them. Oh, so yeah. much juice! Oh my god, <laughs> especially Sam Jackson. He yeah. he took that guy's career. And brought it to a whole nother level. Before that, fact. he was the guy in Jurassic Park who's kind of on the side. Yeah, he's. Uh, actually, I don't. I can't say for certain the timeline of Jurassic Park. And I think you're right. I am pretty sure you're 100 percent right. Uh, he, but I know in movies previous, uh, Coming to America, he's the guy that comes in with the rifle. Yeah, and he's just a crazy black guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the kind of characters he was playing. Well, so not now, that. now he gives him this platform. Yep. Where it's like, you're going to pull fiction. You're going to deliver this sermon. You're going to deliver this amazing dialogue. One of the great scenes of the 20th century, probably. Yeah, I'm. Listen, I can't. Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you one that I think is more impactful on my yeah. on on my intake personal intake of movies that's a good point reservoir dogs yes because it, i hold it close like you hold kill bill close that's probably right. still my favorite overall story and stuff but but pulp, pulp fiction is a masterpiece dude it really is and again you have the out of order storytelling you have things that you find out later that actually are presented to you in the past <laughs> of what yeah. you saw earlier. So it's, it's a very interesting way he pulls that off. Dude, that, and it was, as a kid, literally uh, scarred by the rape scene. Really? P- 
because well not literally but you know what i mean oh my soul for a few years yeah yeah yeah. so the images are uh, i thought i thought that they were torturing him okay and and technically speaking they were torturing him but i was not prepared i had no inkling that that's what was going on behind the door Uh i thought they were torturing him like you know cutting pieces off him or something yeah and uh I, I don't know why. I thought well, that, until you get more knowledgeable and because I, maybe I didn't and, know what uh, a ball gag was. Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't. Shit. You didn't. You don't know that world really. Yeah. So. Um, so then, when the door swung open right before he kills him, you can see what was going on, mm-hmm. and Ving Rhames' character is bent yeah, over. Yeah, it's out of focus, sort of in the background. But you know bit. now. Yeah. Right. Oh, and then now the sound, your memory of the sounds have a whole more wrong <laughs> meaning to him and yeah as a kid or even as a young teen or whatever, however old i was man that was like jesus <laughs> uh yeah i you know the, again surprised by where the story goes always yeah it's, it uh you're never gonna see the gimp coming from these kind of redneck guys who hold mm-hmm. them up in the top in the top floor of that little it shop was a pawn right shop wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. It you go shop. and it, i maybe he says stick him up or something like that i can't remember what the he has a is. shotgun yeah, yeah he says something he says something to them uh it's two guys right yeah that, are they, hold, that hold him up so uh so anyway you know of course also bruce willis we got to mention him he's amazing in it he's another actor that was in uh, Moonlighting, a TV series for a long time. Yeah. And then... Well, he was in Die Hard before that. Oh, yeah. No, he was an action star. and But that, it had kind of passed. He wasn't like the older actor. He was, was he? the guy in Pulp Fiction that they sold the movie on. You know yeah. what I mean? The the script is it all revolves around him. He's the guy that got the most money for it. Uh, and then, of course, you bring back John Travolta, who that had was a fading totally sort crazy, of star. yeah. A big time um, faded star. So, all of these elements combined, it hits the uh, it hits the world in a firestorm. Oh, it was! You know? They won everything. They did, and yeah. you know another moment from that whole the time afterwards where he won a director's award at Cannes. Uh, and there's a French woman who is a member, I guess, maybe of the press or like another film group or something like that. She's yelling in French, fucking bullshit, you know. She's <laughs> screaming, you know. Really? Yeah, and Tarantino doesn't know French. He's up there uh-huh. about ready to give his speech accepting this so high who, honor. So who is freaking out again? Say that again. It's a, it's a French woman, and uh-huh. she's either a member of the press or oh. a critics association or something like that. So she just couldn't contain herself? No, she's screaming wow. about how it's fucking bullshit, this movie's a piece of trash, that kind of stuff. Um, wow. And everyone's kind of aghast, right? Uh-huh. I would <laughs> and, imagine so. Yeah, and Tarantino just gives a speech because he doesn't know French, and he's just going to give a speech. He's like, well... That's awesome. <laughs> it's great, and it's all that stuff's online. People definitely look that up. Maybe I'll include that in the a link to that in the show notes or That'd something. That'd be a great idea, yeah. We now resume <laughs> our feature presentation. <laughs> we haven't talked about Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, or The Hateful Eight. Yes, so rapid fire. Yeah, <laughs> Say something about idea. each right now. <laughs> Inglorious Bastards, um, one of the greatest opening, 
however that first percentage of that big long scene is mm-hmm. in the farmhouse uh right. one of the best openings to a movie ever i'm gonna have to completely agree with that yeah um i saw i saw this one in theaters for sure and i went i see how i am with trailers is i'll watch them like once and then not watch them again and go in and hopefully by the time i get to it i have a vague idea of where we're going or at least like what the subject is of the movie right right but i'm not spoiled i just go in and let the movie happen you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and don't remember things out of the trailer and be be looking for things right so um as i went through that movie and i saw characters reappear i didn't have any expectation i never have any expectation of any it's a good point yeah so there's a hot tip for people going to watch any movie especially tarantino man because he likes to reuse the same actors too he does for sure um yeah so this is the first time that we get the actor who plays sort of the main SS character. I I wish I could remember that actor's name off the top of my head. I can't either, but he'll reappear in Django Unchained. Right, and, and he's he, amazing, right? And I, he's in one of my favorite James Bond movies. Gosh. I, and he kind of rose to prominence. You know. So I believe he's a German uh, actor as well. I think so, probably. Anyway, um, what's... I believe one of the standout things of Inglorious Bastards is that he, again, he he takes what people expect out of a story about Hitler and out World of War II, genre, right? You know, a, a war flick, right? And he plays a he totally spins it on its head. That's a fact that I didn't see the ending or even where it was going towards. Should we the spo- should comment. we say spoilers or should we just say what it is? <laughs> uh, I don't think it matters what it is. I think that it just matters that I couldn't see it coming. Right. You know, literally changing history, the way that things played out. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like. To phrase it like that, I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good veiled cha- way of saying. <laughs> so it became historical fiction. Right. Right. Yeah. And. Uh, in doing so, completely surprises everyone that is watching that movie, right? Mm-hmm. In one of the most badass ways to ever end a movie, <laughs> if agree. you don't mind me saying so. No, I don't mind you saying so. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's enough about that one because we could yeah, go sure. on forever. Yeah. Django Unchained. Thoughts? Uh, Django Unchained, I remember... Um, okay, so growing up... I have certain family members who are still to this day pretty racist and mm-hmm. kind of proud about it. Well, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, exactly. And I've had conversations where I had to leave the room, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I am a, a person who feels like people are people, and we all have our problems. Like Mexican and, Rodriguez. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and... It, I'm not uh, fighting that fight for at for in this example African American people. I just feel like it's a human thing, right? It is a human thing. Um, and so this movie affected me because you get to see this absolutely terrible 
sort of time in human history, but it's fictional history, right? It's it's through the lens of Tarantino. So, um, I just I just found it super interesting, and it definitely like sort of tweaked some of my ideas a little bit about that entire thing, and and you get to see the brutalness of what slave owners really are like you know what i mean and, and at least in stories that have been passed down to us right mm-hmm. especially uh, good for that you know that made him a hell of a villain yeah <laughs> I mean, if absolutely. you want to make someone a villain make him a slaveholder so this is where we get leo dicaprio in a tarantino movie. fantastic performance Man, too see, i've always liked leo i think he's a great actor i haven't seen um, a movie in a with him in it that i haven't liked yeah so he becomes my like guide like oh you're in it okay i'll watch it yeah totally and that's that's totally fair too to just go in because an actor's in a movie i've done that plenty but that means he makes good choices so now i can trust him and it's always good it always turns out before this new movie he hasn't been in one since the revenant and the revenant wow that's been a while was like four years ago or something Mm -hmm. something like that so, yes, he is still very much making choices. Um, he didn't win an Oscar until The Revenant, which is kind Which of was just, uh, no, they just, they knew they owed him. And they're well, like, sure. oh, you're in another movie. There's that, too. He was great in that movie, though. Yeah, I'll bet he was. You can't just, you know, straight yeah. up get Have you not seen me. The Revenant? I have not. Definitely check it out. Okay. I think you would like it. All right, I'm sure I would. Uh, So... Yeah, so also in this movie, uh, we, again, we get the return of Sam Jackson as a completely different character for Tarantino. Well, what I like so much about the movie um, yeah, was sure. that it was his take on the Western genre. So he's just going through genres. Right. And it's a Western genre, but it's not set in the West. It's set in the American slaveholding South. Right, right, right. And just right there you get... Okay, so we're going to have a certain style and tone, but our setting is going to be completely different, which so you haven't seen this before. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, and I you know, I know he grew up a big fan of the spaghetti westerns, yep, Sergio Leone. You see that going throughout a thread throughout all of his movies really. Yep. Uh just a, you know, Another aspect we must mention is uh, some hip-hop in the soundtrack. I think that really lends to it. It makes it feel modern, but at the same time, you know what I mean? It makes it feel like his soundtrack choices for every other movie. He just picks whatever he wants to pick. Right. You know. Yeah, and I feel like that that choice gives some swagger to Jamie Foxx's character does, as well that he course. wouldn't previously he wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. So I saw that movie in the theater. Yeah. And I loved it. But can I admit something? Sure. Afterwards, when it got popular, they re-released some Django movies and I didn't know it was an older almost black exploitation like film. That, of course, influenced Tarantino. I just didn't know it was that closely linked. If I had known about it going in, I'd have been like, cool, let's see his take on it. But I don't know why it stole a little bit of stole a little bit of magic when I saw that for some reason. Yeah, so that's the thing that happens. Like, it's just my own hang-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also, that's a fair take as well. Like that, you know, you went in thinking, well, this is all from one person or, right. you know. 
and then and then it, that that view that view changes once you get more knowledge about the mm-hmm. situation. So and it didn't make it any less of a movie, but yeah. it just my own experience was like, oh yeah. man. I actually didn't know that about Jackie Brown until fairly recently. Okay. Yeah, like I, I just never really did the research about it or whatever. Um, now, to my biggest disgrace. Okay. I have not seen The Hateful Eight. Wow. It can't, but I have a good reason why. Okay. I want to see it undistracted. Okay, yeah. No, that makes sense. Which means I can't watch it with my wife. <laughs> There's no chance. And I have like... A reverence for the experience of seeing a Tarantino movie for the first time mm-hmm. that I literally have not found the time when either the kids are out of the house with her and I can sit down and watch a movie and I don't have to do anything else. Yeah. Um, so it's on my to do list. Yeah, I would say watch that pretty much immediately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like That's I, how know, I feel all the time. Yeah. And I know like, yes, you need the right circumstances. Totally agree. So what my movie experience with this one is uh, I saw it in the theaters. I saw the Roadshow version. So um, the the Netflix version actually is different from the one that I saw. Oh, which really? Is, yeah. So I would suggest getting it on Blu-ray so you get the Roadshow version. Okay. Um, they've added a bunch of stuff. I, I like to see what the movie was presented as. Did right? you see the Netflix version? Uh, I have not yet because it's really long. Okay. Yeah. I just haven't found the time, but, uh, sounds familiar. So yeah, exactly. So, uh, what was great about the way they presented this was they shot it in an, first of all, an expanded, uh, film, physical film. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's very much like some of those spaghetti Westerns were like where the screen went a little bit wider the desert looked even more vast. Right. Right. And cool. like good and bad, the ugly, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and lots of great, great landscape shots in hateful eight, um, leading up to the bulk of the movie, which is, and takes place in a haberdashery. Right. Uh, where individuals are shut in, uh, mm-hmm. together by circumstances. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, again, you have Sam Jackson who, God, the juice, <laughs> <laughs> the, and not OJ. I uh, know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so another actor that is amazing, obviously Kurt Russell is in it again. He play he plays a, uh, I believe, a bounty hunter. He's one of those ones you can just pick up whatever movie he's in, and it's probably going to be good. So great, what, dude! One of my first, uh, really cherished movie experiences is going to the. Off, off brand, off brand, uh, blockbuster. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. like a, it, I, it, I think it was called Owl Be Back, and it, <laughs> and the uh, the the top, the over the door there was an owl of like a, a drawing of an owl, right? That is fucking a sign awesome. Of an owl. And um, it's one of these indie movie stores that aren't don't exist anymore, obviously. But uh, they had all the B movies, they had all the great movies, they had. Do you think they'll be back? <laughs> maybe someday <laughs> but it was in the plaza right by cape town yeah um so you know i would go to my dad's who lived in cape town at the time every other weekend one of the first stops would be uh domino's next stop would be movie store right nice. or, or switch them around whatever and uh and kurt russell of course in escape from new york um which 
the the movie cases I remember them all being just the ugliest brown color. <laughs> <laughs> I remember video stores like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had uh, computer printed Escape from New York and a little badge on the front of it, right? But uh, no, I took that home uh, to to my dad's and watched it and. God, I will never forget the first time watching Escape from New York and seeing <laughs> Snake Plissken and just being absorbed in this world. Right. Come to find out, filmed in St. Louis. I did not know that. Oh, my God. Yeah, a big bulk of the movie filmed in St. Louis. Wow. Um, amazing, amazing stuff. Like one of the bridges that still exists. I drive on it when I go to Alton for wrestling shows. <laughs> it's just like it, it couldn't be better. It's uh, it's amazing, and all that stuff makes me like Kurt Russell even more. Even right. though he hadn't really nothing, they thank PT Centerville in the credits. Awesome, <laughs> isn't that awesome? That Carpenter and Kurt Russell went to PT Centerville and partied. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, for St. Louis, it doesn't get much better. That is that. awesome. Um, so anyway, he's great in this movie. He's got a giant uh, Western mustache. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, and then another actor I must mention who's a breakout star in this is Walton Goggins. Mm. Um, he's been uh, most notably probably for, for Cinephiles was in the House of a Thousand Corpses movie that Rob Zombie made around 2000, 99-ish. Right. Something like that. Um, but he's been popping up a whole lot more. He was in an HBO series recently. Uh, with, uh, uh, I think it's called Vice Principals. Okay. It's about two vice principals that kind of battle against each other. Uh-huh. It's amazing. As a teacher, especially, you would oh, like I gotta it. Oh, I got to check it out. I got to <laughs> so, check that out. Um, he's, am- he's an amazing actor in this movie as well. Um, again, And he's, again, he's... Tarantino is making this about a small story. It's mm-hmm. a group of individuals in a room. There's it's there's bigger implications in right. the surrounding stuff, yeah. but it's all about these people. And it's what what's great about it being shot the way it was with the wider lens is mm-hmm. that when one person in the foreground is talking way back in the corner, things are happening with these other individuals. That's cool. Yeah, so like if you rewatch it uh, you will see things happen that come to play later. You know oh, what I'm saying? Awesome. So That's all awesome. of that stuff makes it super interesting on a rewatch, especially. But keep when you do watch it, keep a keen eye or look around a lot. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So I guess does that move us towards today? that moves us towards today? And uh, I got the idea to reach out to you that we should both see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? And then fair, should be fair and say I have already seen it. Yes, and uh, I plan on seeing it because here's how to crack the clam of my problem. Okay, is that even if I take my wife to a theater, she'll not talk. Or I mean, if I take her there, she won't talk as much if we're just in the basement there's no way i'm watching the movie <laughs> but so in the theater, she thing, abides by the rules in the theater is it a thing where she wants to talk to you about the movie she's, or is she responding out audibly to the film itself or she, both it could be one from column a and one from column <laughs> a whole B. range right yeah okay it, yeah it might be a random thought about her day pops into her head and because we're at home now we got to stop the movie and talk about no, your thing. No, we don't stop the movie, which is irritating. It's See, just... that's the thing is, I if I am in control of that situation, 
pause. Let's yeah, let's discuss your thing. But then it becomes a thing that they resent you for. <laughs> but then also you didn't get to enjoy the Tarantino movie without right. these huge interruptions. The way it was meant to be. Yeah. In the theater. So sorry, hun. <laughs> <laughs> Is she a podcast listener? Uh, probably not. <laughs> so uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. What what do you know about this movie going in? Have there, you seen the trailer? Uh, I just watched it today. Okay. I know very little, which is the way I want it to be. That's how I went into Kill Bill. Yeah. I didn't know anything. And did the trailer give you much more information, or did you feel like it was pretty vague? And it's... I thought it was a little vague. Okay. But I could see where pieces would develop and what they were mm-hmm. trying to present. Yeah, he actually, uh, it's been a, quite a while since I've seen the trailer, like when it first yeah. premiered. So, um, I do know that he's very good about trailers. He mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With that, I again going back to what I said earlier. I don't like to be spoiled by trailers. I feel like a lot of them tell too much. You know, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember ever getting the feeling from Tarantino trailers like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Um, some of the, to be fair though, some of them I saw after the fact. Yeah, um, like the classic ones that I didn't get to until I was seventeen. But um, yeah, so you know, I, I, as a person who has seen this movie, I got to say you should definitely be excited about it. Good. Uh, w- one tactile thing that you could just know right off the top just from looking up for information about it is that it is rather long okay i expect that with yeah Tarantino. so any predictions i heard one little tidbit that it might engage some of these creepy hollywood type men um, on a thematic level, you know, the ones that would like take advantage of young girls and stuff like that. Okay. I don't know. It, that was somebody else's, um, comment. Okay. So I don't know if that's just the way they saw it or if that was a legit theme. Yeah. That was in the movie. So that's one expectation I have going in. Other than that, I have nothing. Well, that's, uh, you know, I, that's how I like to be going in too. So that, yeah, that makes totally a lot of sense. Um, well, you know, not much more can be said because... Oh, and I know Manson's in it. Uh, that is correct, yes. Yeah. And I've, he may have even been in the trailer. Yeah, but I don't know if he's in it a little or a lot. So yeah, he yeah was in exactly. The, the extent yeah. of which uh, his whole thing, you have no idea whether or not things... Yeah, because you could have just happen. cut him into the trailer to make it spicy. You right, know exactly. I and mean? <laughs> make yeah. it spread. Um. I will in the mo- I want to be the in the most vague sense. I will say there are many Tarantino uh things that he does, of course, that come back in this. Mm-hmm. Um a theme that has sort of run through this podcast that we we talked about a lot is the uh the bar of um acting that needs to be hit, right? Um the or or quality of acting, I should right. say. Uh, the, and you know, personal opinion, this goes right in line with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Leo and Brad Pitt, um, just, I, yeah, just really look forward to it because I, I have a good feeling you're going to enjoy good. it. Can't and, wait. and also music element, super important to this story. And, uh, you know, well, maybe not to the story, but just like the vibe of the movie overall 
You know? Well, I'm excited. I feel almost like the only time I feel like I'm going to the movies like it's an event. Yeah. Is either it's Star Wars and not so much anymore. (laughs) Or (laughs) or it's, uh, you know, probably Endgame was like this. Yeah. Or any time a Tarantino movie comes sure, out. Sure, yeah. I actually mentioned that, too, for a, a couple of friends who uh, I know saw it yesterday when I was at a, a show. Yeah. That this is very much an event for me. This is like, yep. I look forward to it. It takes a couple years between, but when it comes up, you're like, all right, here we go. Let's yep. go for the ride. Uh, much less so now with like Marvel because that happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I get way less excited about those. I still haven't seen the new Spider Man. I don't see tons of them. Yeah, yeah, they go by like crazy. So if I can't find time, then I can't find time, right? Yep. Tarantino, though, we always make time. Yep. And mm-hmm. we are going to make time, you and I, to go and see this movie, and then we'll come back and you know we'll and, do this thing again. And maybe I'll see have seen the Hateful Eight by then. We'll see. I I think you should try to put it uh, at the top of your list if possible. Yeah, if, uh, <laughs> the problem is sometimes my list is if it is ze- impossible. zero <laughs> zero slots. But. All right, well, good thing you you can know this is that Hateful Eight not required watching it going into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's one of the great things about Tarantino. Although there is, people do say they all tie together. Yeah, well, there is Western theme stuff in this new movie too. Like. Yeah. But he, I mean, I think they're all supposed to have Easter eggs. Oh, to sure. Together. Yeah. He, I, de- I definitely think he said before, this is all one universe. Yep. You know, just spread out over time. So, mm-hmm. okay. So until next time. Sounds good. I mean, we're literally on the couch. <laughs> we're just not yes. watching anything. Right. <laughs> this has been Watch on the Couch. Uh, until next time. See you next time. Bye. Peace.